Kraken Fancast, a podcast for Seattle Kraken fans by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken. All right, welcome to the first episode of Kraken Fancast, a podcast webcast for Kraken fans by Seattle Kraken fans. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'll be joined in a moment by two longtime hockey fans and amateur hockey players, Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson. We also have our man Chelios exploring every rumor mill, insider news, and hockey-related topic from around the world. That'll be coming up in a little while. Uh, we're really excited to start this fan cast. Uh, we aim to present this, this broadcast monthly during the NHL offseason and bi-weekly, aka every other week, during the season. And while we'll talk about team news and our assessments of what's going on, we also aim not to be a typical news outlet and explore some different aspects of the Kraken community, which not only includes what's happening with the players and team staff, but also as the fan community as well. So before we start, let's talk about the obvious. We finally have an NHL team here in Seattle, Seattle Kraken, an expansion team in the NHL. They'll compete in the Pacific Division of the Western Conference beginning with the league's 2021-2022 season, which is just around the corner this coming October. Teams owned by the Seattle Hockey Partners, consisting of David Bonderman, Jerry Bruckheimer, famous film producer, and Todd Lewicki, among a team of uh, some big heavy hitters in the uh, hockey world. December of 2018, the NHL approved a proposal by Seattle Hockey Partners that granted us an expansion franchise for the city of Seattle. And in July of 2020, Kraken's name and branding was revealed. It's the first professional hockey team to play in Seattle since the Seattle Totems of the old Western Hockey League played their last game in 1975. And it's the first Seattle hockey team to compete for a Stanley Cup since the old Seattle Metropolitans who folded in 1924. They're going to be playing in a brand new arena, the site of the old Key Arena, but it's called the Climate Pledge Arena promises to be one of the top three arenas in all of North America. And we are so excited for all of this. We, some of us have been waiting five years. Some of us have been waiting 10, 20, 30 years, all our lives for an AHL team here in this, in this area. And uh, we don't even have the team yet though. This is still being built. This, there's an expansion draft coming up. There's a junior league draft coming up. There are a lot of things to, uh, that, that are being prepared for. We're hoping for a mid-October start with the team. They haven't made an official date yet, but we know it's really soon. So despite they're not playing, there's still plenty to talk about. And uh, we're going to start on this first segment and talk a little bit about what we hope and expect for the Kraken and, and on their roster. Um, Jim, I'll start with you, you know, and you and I were talking the other day about how, well, I was, I was bringing up the point that I cannot think of any expansion team, in the, not only in the history of the NHL, any expansion team in any professional league of any sport, starting off with such pressure on them, such pressure to succeed right out of the gate. Uh, partly that's because of their predecessors, the Vegas Golden Knights, who kind of unbelievably, I mean, I think we all thought they'd be competitive. They surpassed people's expectation of how good they were right off the bat. So there's that expectation. There's also the expectation that there are all these heavy hitters and so much money being spent on this team, uh, on the arena, on, on, the, on the launch of the whole team. There's also the expectations of the fans. One other thing that people didn't foresee is how fast 
season tickets were going to be sold out. I mean, in under two days of just, you know, tens of thousands of people clamoring for tickets, the demand unprecedented. And, um, you know, and then just people's expectations for all of that, you know, they're seeing, you know, that you have a lot of people in this area who are admittedly in a learning curve about hockey, about the NHL and what to expect from this team. Enthusiasm is wonderful, but do we have to uh, temper, you know, temper our expectations here? So I'm just wondering if you could comment a little bit about, you know, where, what do we want to see from this team at the beginning, you know, and, and how, how should they start and, and, and where should they start? All right. Hello, I'm uh, Jim Cockrell, uh, a resident of the state for tomorrow, 60 years. Obviously, hockey's been part of my life since I was five years old. Uh, and going back to the Seattle Totems, when my dad had season tickets from 1967 to 1972, I've dreamed of a NHL franchise and here it is and it's been a long road you still got to pinch the skin every once in a while but we're here and we're closer and closer chris was right when he nailed it on the head about the the expectations are incredibly high even if you took away the vegas scene and what they accomplished it was already high you know for years we've heard around here that this isn't a hockey town but i've, I've been checking the polls for years you know at the amateur level and the, the senior level and all the transplants that have come here it's it's totally a hockey town on so many different levels in the region and the state but the pressure is going to be big this team and ownership has launched right out of the box top notch in everything they've done even away from the team with the ovg stuff and the arena the climate pledge it's just all working together and coordinating well to where i, I just think it's going to be good no matter what the expectations yes are high and i'm trying to envision Okay, so what if if we came out and uh, struggled a bit to that typical Thanksgiving deadline? I know I'm jumping ahead post-draft and everything, but I'm trying to envision where this team's going to be and, and what's going to make it a success. I already think even if you play 500 hockey, it's going to be an incredible success. But a lot of it does lie on that build of that team, and I have no doubt with all the people that have been involved so far that it's going to be solid um, from the ground level up. So I'm pretty darn excited, obviously. We've got some big days coming up here. There's just tons of options and tons of, of potential. So we'll see. I just know it's going to be a success. And I've said it to you, Chris, a while back. I think for at least the first three to five years, this is going to be the hottest ticket in town. And I'm talking over the Seahawks even. So there you go. Amen. Nathan, thoughts on your end? Hey, I'm Nathan. Uh, yeah, I. you know, it's been a long time coming. It's something that I've been looking forward to. A lot of people have been looking forward to. Back when they were mentioning the ticket drive and everything like that, my fingers were crossed that the passion was still going to be there, that there was going to be plenty of people that, just like Vegas, they were going to uh, put their deposits down and uh, that we were going to get awarded a team. And when we did, I do believe I jumped up and down literally with goosebumps. I still have goosebumps right now just thinking about it. I'm so excited. We do have a big football team here, uh, contenders every year, and it would be nice to have a hockey team that's contenders every year, something strong. Yes, uh, sometimes when you have a new team and you're putting together a bunch of misfits that have to immediately become brothers overnight, and you've got a coach that you've never worked with, uh, it can there's struggles. I think uh, with the fan base, it's really going to help them a lot. I don't think that there's going to be an empty seat in the house for years. It's going to be good. Right. Do you guys think, um, let's think of more on the, the actual roster, the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, picked up some notable players, you know, but some were thought, you know, there were many people thought Marc-Andre Fleury was washed up. There were some others that were guy, you know, second, third, fourth line guys on other teams, a lot of young guys too. 
Jim, you know, you and I sometimes talk about, you know, the the makeup on on the rosters and all. Do you have a vibe of where they should start, though, or what kind of team you'd like to see? You know, sometimes in the, in the past, some expansion teams will go with old veterans. They'll lean toward that. Some, it's all very, very young, and it's and they struggle at first, but then in the long run, sometimes that that turns out to be the best thing. Do you have a sense of where, you know, what you know what kind of team as far as you know like the type of play you'd like to see them start out as yeah um i've been looking at all the models that every blogger and every writer puts up and obviously there's many um and they they all kind of marry each other for the most part i do know this on the availability of who's out there be it ufa unprotected or what have you or that fits into the rules parameters of this expansion draft i think no matter what this team is going to be built probably best positionally through defense uh, and what's available as far as names. And I think your forward selection group is going to be your typical, a lot of third liners. Um, I don't think, think you'll see too many top six, but here's the deal. You get those third and fourth liners that have been on good clubs for a long time, pulling only nine to 11 minutes a game. And you get them over here to give them a chance and they start pulling 15 to 18 minutes, second line material, top line, top six stuff. That's when a player shines. He's getting his chance. Uh, some of these guys that are on the third and fourth lines are not playing in their natural positions because of roster log jamming. You know, um, I can use that example a lot with my own team that I follow quite heavily, the Bruins, over the years. It's going to be just that's how Vegas was. There was a lot of guys that were all of a sudden pulling minutes, you know, and they're going to have probably one or two veteran type players on the roster because they're going to need that. And it's such a smart move for leadership. Who it's going to be, I don't know. There's a few out there. As far as the goaltending situation, I think, you know, there's a lot of different avenues people like to take. There's, they always want to grab a 1A veteran. Personally, I would almost rather start with a, a 2-1B system and not rely on a, a veteran tender because it's, they're just, it's such a hard position to hold together in, in your later age. So the goaltending will probably be decent. I think our decor is going to be strong. I think our forwards will be adequate. And I think the tending will be, you know, somewhere in the middle. And that's what's to be expected of an expansion draft, in my opinion. I think it'll be all right. A couple of veterans in there as well. Probably maybe a Giordano or something on the point as your vet type situation. And then maybe one other. I'm not sure. But I think we'll be just fine. I know one thing. You're going to start seeing some names that popped up that we've all heard for a couple of years. But now you're going to turn on the tube and you're going to hear it a lot. So Nathan, any, any clear, you know, uh, wish list that you have, uh, you know, obviously it depends. We don't know yet who's technically protected, but of course there are tons of rumors. Uh, any, anybody in particular you're looking for? Well, yes and no. I mean, I've got some, uh, expectations, but of course they're going to be unrealistic. I've been a, a favor and fan of the Vegas Golden Knights, which, you know, we can't touch on the draft. That doesn't mean we can't pick up a couple of contracts or free agents, you know, along the way. When people say that, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, he won't be going anywhere. I think that he's still got a couple of years, maybe two, three years left in him. He's been performing fantastic. Um, it would be nice if we could get a chance at him at some point. I concur with Jim that if we have a good, solid defense, keep our shifts kind of short and sweet and everybody fresh, we can kind of uh, formulate a good plan based around that as the starting point. You know, you've got players like Nino Niederreiter, you know, all these other players that have been around the league for a while that are kind of looking for uh, options. You know, we're not going to be 
ungrateful for whoever we get. I'm not going to say, oh man, I don't want this guy. He's just out to fight and out for blood. You know, I'm going to be happy with whoever we get. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting some of our young players from the WHL seasoned up and getting ready to go. I'm not biased by any means, you know, with the Vegas Golden Knights. Of course, if I could just transplant that entire team here, that'd be cool too, but it's going to be good. Whoever we have, I hope they rep the city. I hope they rep the Pacific Northwest really well. Just be contenders and, and keep it solid. Right on. All right. Good segue to our second topic. Fans and the fan experience. All of us have been to other arenas, have followed other teams, have some understanding of the cultures of those teams that we followed and even some that we've seen from afar. What is expected from the fans and you know, what could and should be, you know, longtime hockey fans, what, what could longtime hockey fans do to make the vibe at the games and the overall community better? You know, what are we expecting, in other words, from the organization for the fan experience or, or what should they do? For instance, Jim, you know, we've been to TD Garden watching Boston Bruins games. And, you know, obviously there are a lot, that's a very long storied history with that team. And there's a very solid fan base and certain culture. But then, you know, maybe we've gone to some road games down in Arizona. It doesn't feel anything like that. Doesn't, not that it's bad, it's just different. Uh, Vegas been very, you know, there were some naysayers like, oh, Vegas, people just care about their casinos and it's just going to be this transient crowd. And, you know, just, just the, you know, the tourists are going to go to the games. Ah, no, a lot of locals look there and they're super into it. Uh, Nashville have been new and that took a little while, but they're very, very passionate. So I think we've kind of touched on it. We're expecting a big patch and I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think this is going to be the hottest ticket for years, but What's the culture going to be like and what, what, what could we do as longtime fans? Because I think some of us are a little afraid that, okay, it's going to be this long, you know, big learning curve. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm happy to teach people that. But, you know, what, what, what are we expecting or what are your expectations of the, of the fan experience uh, you know, uh, you know what, what's it going to feel like off the ice? The fan experience is going to be great. And the reason being... Uh, going back to the deposits for tickets. Look, anybody that got on that list is a fan of the game or has been for a long time. And there are a lot of transplants. So automatically the first 24 or the first 32,000 tickets that first day, I believe, or what was it, hour? I know it was 10,000 or 12,000 in 10 minutes type deal. Those are all hockey fans. The experience is going to be great for them. They don't need to be educated for the most part, anything. They're going to be there enjoying it. As far as the others, we know this is a sports town. It's got a reputation everybody knows it 12th man seahawks mariners losing losing or not sounders storm it's just and the, you know the husky and just the whole state with college football it's just an automatic ticket i've got friends at work that know nothing about hockey but they know i'm a hockey guy and they're constantly approaching me ever since they found out you know the team announcement or what have you they're a little late to the party. I mean, we've been on this party for three years, basically. But they once that team was named and the news started showing up with all the stories, they're paying attention. They've all come up to me and said they're going to educate themselves. They're going to learn. They're going to take the time. going to take some pride in this. It's just the way a community, it happens with a community, you know. I have no worries about the fan base and how ecstatic and electric the experience is going to be. And I know it's going to, the most difficult thing is when you talk to the newbies, 
them probably thinking that they're actually going to get to a game is might be impossible. So, you know, they're just going to have to hang in there for a while before they get their chance, probably, because the tickets are all sold. And of course, you've got the the club section folks that just that are going to buy tickets anyway for a lot of them that have the businesses and they're going to enjoy it anyway. They're going to entertain when their clients from other cities come into town, they're going to take them. So it's just going to be a great deal. It's going to get high exposure. And the Canadians in Vancouver are going to be traveling down here in hordes and paying a lot of money for secondary market tickets. So it's all good. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are going to be a lot of people, particularly on the weekends, traveling from Vancouver area, Bellingham, Portland, around Oregon. And I mean, we're a re- Seattle Kraken are truly going to be a regional team. There's going to be marketing in Alaska, Idaho, et cetera. So that's, that's for sure. Nathan, any thoughts on your end? Yeah, uh, piggybacking on what Jim was saying about, you know, the fan base and everything like that. Take that away for a minute. Look at the area. Look at what Seattle has to offer scenery-wise. Millions of restaurants, it seems. Really nice hotels. Great place for people to come from all over the country, all over the world, if they want to catch a good hockey game. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be waiting a while, like we all know, for a ticket. But it'll happen. I just think that With the 12th man for the Seahawks and how much we embrace our local sports throughout the state, we are not going to be a team that fizzles out. This is going to be a strong, strong organization for a long time. And again, I said, you know, it's a long time coming. I think that uh, we're not going to have a problem with uh, accommodations for the teams, the players, the staff, you know, the fans. Uh, We've got probably one of the most, if not the most, state-of-the-art facility being built right now. I'm just excited to see exactly what we've been doing for our other teams and embrace them and hold them hold them like we do all our other teams. That's a good point about the arena because it is, you know, all the plans that we've seen, granted we haven't had a chance to walk in yet, but all the, the pre-planning and everything of it, it really truly, from my point of view, and I think many others, it's going to be probably the top, one of the top three arenas in all of North America. And we even see that with the Mariners. I mean, if we were the Mariners were still playing in the kingdom, they might not be here right now. People love that ballpark. I think that's also going to happen very much so with, with this arena. People are just going to be in awe of it. So it's it's going to it's going to really make a difference. And uh, speaking of restaurants and things, uh, we do want to make sure that we tell you all that the Kraken Fancast is brought to you by the Angry Beaver, Seattle's own and only Canadian hockey-themed bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. Remember, you can join the Kraken Fancast crew periodically at the Angry Beaver on select Saturday game days. Fancast is also brought to you by Elevate Sporting with locations in Bellevue and Tacoma. Elevate Sporting, the best place in the area to buy new and used hockey equipment. Now it's time for our regular segment, Chelios Chatter. And then Chelios bringing us some cracking insider info and news around the league and beyond. My man Chelios, what have you got for us today? Well, how's it going, eh? I had to move here from Canada to this place called Seattle, where the Kraken were going to be released from the ocean. And here we are, 60 days till the expansion draft. 60 days away. I mean, we were talking 300 days. 190 down to like 94 days and we're 60 days away to the expansion draft. But today's topic is who is going to coach the Kraken? The coach is going to be the biggest thing to happen before we draft the players. Now we don't know when this is going to happen, but I've got a list of some of the top names and I got a little story about each one. The number one guy Chelios has coming to the Kraken comes from the Carolina Hurricanes 
playing in the playoffs right now while he's coaching the Hurricanes. They're up two to one on Nashville. Rod Brindamore, former teammate of Ron Francis, Stanley Cup winner, great guy from BC. He's a natural fit. Let's throw $4 million at him and sign him for five or 10 years. Steal him away from Carolina. There were rumors out a few weeks ago that Brindamore was signing a three-year deal for $1.85 million in Carolina. It hit the Twitter market. For half a day, we thought Brindamore was off the charts. Turns out Carolina was being sneaky, just saying three years, Rod. But it actually meant thanks for the last three years of coaching. It's kind of a sign that he might not even be staying there. Todd Lewicki came out recently with Rod Francis and told us that we're not going to name a coach until maybe during the playoffs or maybe after the season. So what does that mean? That means guys like Gerard Gallant coaching in Lapia right now for Team Canada, getting his hockey game on. He's still available. Ron Francis' buddy from the 90, what was it, 92, 93 Stanley Cup champion, Pittsburgh Penguins, Rick Tockett is now available after four kind of downer seasons in Arizona. I mean, who wouldn't want to get out of Arizona after four years? It's not a hockey town. So Rick Tockett, Rod Brindamore, Gerard Gallant, those are the three top names. But I tell you, there's a sleeper out there in Switzerland. He's from Sweden. He's been, his agent has been bringing him around the league the last few years, Ricard Gronborg. And believe it or not, folks, Ricard and I are Swedish friends. I've invited him to have a Starbucks coffee at the Pike Market. He's coming to town to have a coffee with me, and we'll see if he's coach of the Kraken or just a visitor to hang out with Chelios. But the story about Ricard Gronborg is really interesting. One of the top Swedish coaches in all time is now uh, coaching successfully in ZSC Lions in Zurich, Switzerland. What does that mean? He's getting his game ready for the NHL. He left Sweden, taking the world championship winning teams, went off to Switzerland, but he has a background in Washington. Believe it or not, folks, in 2004 and 05, Ricard Gronborg was the assistant coach of the Spokane Chiefs in our Western Hockey League. He knows the state. He's been to Seattle. He told me on the uh, off cuff on a little chat from Switzerland recently that he's been to Seattle, loves our coffee, didn't care for the key arena. Hey, we built him a new one. We've got the Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, the thing about this arena, you walk in and you go down four stories down to the lower bowl. This arena, like you guys were talking about earlier, it's gonna be state of the art. It's gonna be incredible. We're taking Seattle rainwater. Yeah, it rains a little bit in Seattle, Actually, it rains more in Mobile, Georgia, but I mean, Seattle gets the, I mean, we get cracked up for raining all the time. We're going to take that rainwater and we're going to turn it into ice. We're going to take that rain from outside, run it through a technological, modern state of the art system. We're going to make ice for the coach and the Kraken team. So I've given you four names I've given you Brindamore, Tockett, Gallant, and Gronborg. But there's one guy out there that still has a shot at coming to town for an interview. And that guy is Torts. John Tortorella. Before you start booing me, I don't like the guy either. But the fans love him. Ladies who don't even know hockey are in our group of 8,000 people in the official 
Seattle Kraken group that we're going to be marketing this podcast through. Want Torts, the old Navy guy. Hey, if Torts makes it here, he's going to be a second time Washington State resident because believe it or not, when he coached the Vancouver Canucks, he lived in Point Roberts or Port Roberts, an island in between Seattle and Vancouver, paid Washington State taxes to avoid those damn Vancouver Canuck taxes up there. So we'll see what happens. And there's a few other names. Kirk Muller, great assistant coach. He's had a little bit of history coaching in the NHL. He could pop in here. But the biggest sleeper I got for you today is Ulf Samuelson. Big Ulf from the Hartford Whalers. He's been a cracking coach twice. I mean, scout. And now he's coaching in Florida with Q. He's an assistant coach there. He went back to Sweden for a little bit to coach. I think Ron Francis might bring him in probably as an assistant to run the defense. So my biggest take on this, the Chelios moment is, let's go get fucking Rod Brindamore and just make it a deal and make it happen. Five years, four million, he's done. And that's all I got for today, folks. Boom. All right, there you go. We got we got some got some controversial names on there. Torts Samuelson. We got some sleepers from Switzerland, Sweden, and then we got some that I've talked a lot about. And maybe it's somebody else, or maybe it's one or more of those guys. It's going to be really interesting to see. Nate Lehman from the NCAA or something. I, you know, nobody. I didn't. You know, I'm not. I was hearing a little bit. You know, I'm not hearing Cloak Julian anymore. I don't know. He was hearing from a little bit Boudreaux a little bit. Don't hear about them. Mostly hearing from those people that you're talking about. So. We will find out very soon, very soon. Thank you, Chelios. Great report. And uh, also thanks to all the listeners and all the guests uh, here on my team, Jim Cockrell, Nathan Gunderson, Jay Middleton, our producer, and Chelios. Uh, once again, my name is Chris Porter. We'll be back uh, in a few weeks. Uh, hopefully there'll be some more news, more insider thoughts, and, uh, and many more things to talk about. We are also hoping to have guests on this program from time to time and other contributors so we've got a lot of uh, a lot of great plans for this for the Kraken fan cast and we appreciate you listening maybe you can catch us uh, on podcasts uh, once a month off season twice a month during the season thanks much for listening Kraken fan cast and as always people go Kraken go, go Kraken